0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Please remember to like this show on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, wherever you get those podcasts you love so much. You can get us there, too. Richard and my guests today are Professor Tom Haney and Dean James Fott. They came on Dialogue De Novo to discuss their involvement in Black Acre, which is the old Loyola Law School newspaper, and we describe the analogies between their involvement in that enterprise and the podcast today, and the ways in which we capture moments in history. So, without any further ado, please give it up for the great and powerful Tom Haney and James Fodd.
1: And welcome back. I'm Richard,
0: and I'm Jake Rome.
1: And today we've got on uh, Dean Fought and Professor Haney. We brought both of you on today because one of the we publish a lot of our episodes in the. Loyola SBA uh, or the the I guess Alumni Association Facebook pages and people requested that we bring on both of you for to talk about Black Acre which is our predecessor
0: yeah unintentionally so I mean we weren't fully aware of Black Acre when we started this project but the the analogy has been drawn several times actually uh, one alumni in particular, who is now actually my jury selection professor, uh, Ted Donner, uh, often sure. drew, and he, he's a frequent commenter on our episodes. So he suggested this, and uh, several others did. So
2: and Ted was one of the editors of Blackacre.
0: Is that right? Yes, He was. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, I like him yes, a lot. Yes, he is. Yeah. So uh, let's just, I guess, dive into the antecedents of Blackacre. Uh, how how it came to fruition, mm-hmm. what the original staff was, and like what the original intent behind the paper
2: was. Let me go back even a little further than Blackacre. We, When I was uh, Associate Dean, for over 20 years, one of the things I did was try to capture the law school's history. And uh, I did that in a lot of different ways. But um, we started with a student newspaper here in the mid-1950s. You know, We had been closed during World War II for a couple of years. When we reopened in 47, um, everyone was pretty focused on education, but by Mid fifties, there was a need for students to publish their own newspaper of some kind, and there were several different ones that existed from time to time um, until we come to uh, kind of the nineteen early nineteen seventies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, at that point, when Blackie first makes its first real appearance,
0: and uh, and I guess what spurned the the creation of Blackacre uh, was was it filling some kind of need or, or uh, vacuum in, in the law school environment at the time or? You're you're testing my memory here, I mean, it's, which
3: is a, which is a fun exercise really because, uh, I I've had to go back and and uh, relive some of these moments. But one one thing that uh, wait were you were you one of the founding
2: editors? Is that what no, we're about to get well, to?
3: No, uh, well, no. Okay, uh, Blackacre existed. Um, Boy, I think as, as early as the late 60s.
2: Late 60s, uh, but it didn't last long at that time. Yeah. But then it was revived yeah. in the early 70s. Yeah. Okay.
3: And I have uh, samples here of uh, two of them from 1974, the kind of the, the uh, last moments of the mimeographed Black Acre. Oh, my goodness.
2: Technology was pretty uh, um, poor so, in those uh, days. I'm so
1: <laughs> upset that we're not on video right now Right. this you is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, we'll try to scan these in maybe. We'll try sure. to yeah scan oh, sure. these and put them on, yeah.
0: I'd like to enter these into evidence. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And the, the, the people who
3: contributed to this were, were great people. Many of them have become wonderful lawyers, and you see their names in there, and it's, great, it's fun to look at. But it was, as you can see, it was a very primitive thing. Students copied these on copying machines or mimeograph machines mm-hmm. uh, in years prior to that, and there was not, there was not a lot of news in there. But at least it was something that they would get out occasionally. Um, my first connection with it would have been in uh, 1974 when we received those. Yeah, the editor at the time was a fellow by the name of Dave Gilbert um, uh, and a, a terrific fellow. He graduated and um, there was a void at the law school. Um, I was able to connect with some of my good friends and classmates. Uh, Charlie Amato was a year ahead of us. He was a graduating student. Um, Mike McLaren uh, was my classmate, class of 76, and Tom Leahy from the class of 77. We all thought it might be a good idea to pick this up and, and see if we could have some fun with it. I mean, really, it was a good opportunity, I think, to get together with our friends and do something interesting. And so. We uh, started in 1974, a little earlier or a little later into the school year, and we were able to get it on newsprint. uh, Examples here, and you can see. And and for your listeners, I'm pointing to an article in 1974, excuse me, 1975, uh, about uh, announcing uh, uh, Professor Haney's appointment (laughs) to the to the School of Law as a member of the faculty. and he came on board the next fall. One of the few his...
2: times I've made headlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made, there we uh, go. He
3: made it in the next year. But mm-hmm. honestly, uh, it turned out to be a, a, a great, fun experience for um, us as the editors and then our friends, uh, uh, Peggy Scanlon, Marge Orban, Pat Morse was our photographer. Uh, he served as a judge for 20 years, and each of those people have had uh, very fine
0: and fun careers. So. I'm thinking, uh, and I'm noticing 1974 that, you know, this was obviously a time of political turmoil where a lot of students were, you know, Mm -hmm. voicing their uh, discontent with how the structures of powers were. Do you think that that timing was just incidental, or do you think that there was something in the atmosphere at the time that kind of made you feel like you had to get your voice out there?
3: You know, it really wasn't seen as a a tool for protest. It was not seen as a tool for anything but, I think, community building over the time. The biggest... uh, Controversy at that time was um, the, um, the the law school itself, was the structure of the law school. The physical structure of the law school was mm-hmm. at the corner of Wabash and Pearson, right where the Clare is now. Mm-hmm. We were in a three-story building. It was...
2: Completely inadequate. Yeah,
3: <laughs> inadequate, cramped. You'd go down. The, the library was in the basement, a very small basement, and you'd have to turn the light bulbs to get the light on and occasionally you see a mouse down there. The and
2: library had to be in the basement because the building was not built to sustain the weight of books. So, that was the only place hmm. they could put the books. Yeah, that's insane. And yeah. we also shared the building, even though it was small, with some undergraduate classes. Yeah.
3: And yeah, uh, you know, for most of us thought it was, you know, adequate. We never we were happy to be in law school. Sure, sure. But the facility clearly was uh, uh, deficient, and that, that became a big issue during 1974 and 75. And it led to the building of McGuire Hall, which is where we moved in January of 1980 from uh, 41 East Pearson. Um, there's a little bit of that in there, but one of the things we found about putting Black Acre together was that it drew us closer, I think with the faculty and administration. You know, in order to find out what was going on, in order to get a story, <laughs> um, we had to consult with them face to face and, and we, we got to know our faculty pretty well and they were very supportive of, of, uh, of what we were doing. They funded us and uh, and everybody from the deans, uh, Charlie Purcell at the time and then in 1975, Professor Murdoch became the dean for the next uh, I don't know, 10 until years. Until 83. Until 83, yeah. Um, uh, we had good relationships with them, and I think we were able to to, to get some good information to the students.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess what you just said is so similar to our experience right now, because this project has gotten us so much better acquainted. I, the yeah. only regret I have is that we didn't start it earlier, yeah. because honestly, uh, being able to sit down and pick a professor's brain for two hours or however long they want, there's a few things that are important about that. I mean, you have to go in and research and, and read what they're actually writing you know, to get published, mm-hmm. which often doesn't make it into the classroom. And then uh, you kind of have to know what you're talking about because there's nowhere to hide in two hours. So really, it's, it's a great way to get well acquainted with just how the minds of the law professors work.
1: And a lot of the students as well, right. yeah, yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. I want to dig into a little bit more because I think that there's something so important about uh, journalism and, and people have said that our podcast is kind of new age form of journalism mm-hmm. but I have a theory that it's so important as law students to be writing about stuff other than law or to be exploring ideas other than law do you think that Black Baker had that same kind of spirit behind it I mean and do you have any theories about the importance of, of mm-hmm. extending the tools that we're learning in the classroom to s- topics that may exist outside of it
3: well if if uh, my fellow editors were here, they would plead with you to not confuse us with journalists, for starters. <laughs> okay. All of us were rank amateurs, mm-hmm. and the, really the biggest challenge we faced was was laying this thing out, and we did it every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was, we'd stay up on a Tuesday night, all night long, and uh, the stories would be prepared in the week before. And uh, we had to figure out a way to get this to the printer by. Like three in the morning up on Clark Street, and then that was my greatest contribution. I was the driver to get <laughs> it to the printer. But that said, yeah, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think in this case, uh, in terms of writing and preparing articles, I, I think we we really wanted to inform more than to research. You know, we it, it the, the uh, you know remember we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have email. Mm. Um, there was you know, there were, looking back on it, it must have been difficult to get information out to students because, you know, the the way that they would do it is simply post it on a bulletin board. Mm -hmm. And that's how you found your grades, by the way. Mm -hmm. They put your grades up on a bulletin board. (laughs) And uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: did they have exam numbers, or did ex- just
3: everyone find out what you got in that class? <laughs> well, they had exam numbers. Okay.
1: They had exam numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but sometimes you could pretty well tell yeah. who, who got <laughs> what grade.
2: Yeah, so one,
3: one slip of the lip, and you know who got what yeah. yeah. grades. Yeah. But it really was a tool to inform uh, people about these emerging opportunities for law students. And you'll look at this, and you'll see a lot of information about moot court activities. There was very little of that stuff back then. It was just kind of beginning in law school, skills development and so forth. Skills training was something that was relatively new, wouldn't you say, Tim? Yeah.
2: And it's always true that the law school here has been kind of a a community Mm -hmm. and we're really proud of that. And that spirit continues today. And I think this was an effort to bring that community together in a way that lets students know what was really going on at the school outside of their own classroom experience.
0: Yeah, I I guess uh, I I hear what you're saying, but uh, to kind of turn back to the question, do you think that there is any wisdom into the idea that we as law students should be thinking about topics other than the law using the the tools of logic and the tools of of sound reasoning that we we learn in the classroom to explore other topics? Because I've personally found that this that the law school experience has helped me synthesize the news and politics and, and what's going on in the environment around me in a much more crystallized and clear way. And uh, I really used the podcast as a venue to kind of explore some of those ideas in a public way. Does that make any sense? Or do you think that that's part of what we're doing here? And maybe even though Blackacre was more of a, like here's things that are going on in the community. I, mean, I think that that still is an important skill to sharpen while we have the time in law school.
2: Oh, very clearly. I think that's very important, and, you know, taking students away from what they learned in the classroom and and legal rules and all that is really important, and BlackAid was one of the tools that did that, there was, you know, this was never going to be the law journal. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And therefore, it gave students an opportunity to do something else and to be creative, and obviously they had to be creative in putting it together.
3: And in response to your, your question about, should we be doing this kind of thing in a law school, I think the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, it, you know, the reality is that when our students graduate from here as lawyers, <clears throat> you know, uh, like it or not, you're going to be seen in, in, in most of your relationships as one of the architects of society. I mean, they're going to expect <laughs> us to know a lot more about how the world turns than, than the black letter law. And, and it's important to develop perspectives and opinions on things that are important to us uh, outside of the law, because uh, a lot of people rely on our credibility and on our, our willingness to learn those things.
2: And I think that's one yeah. of the things I emphasize even in my classes. You know, I, I teach contracts to first year students. And we were but,
1: yeah, we were in, section, in your section in uh, 2016. Well, it's yeah. a little
2: different now because I'm teaching in the weekend JD program, which is okay. partly online mm-hmm. and less classroom experience. But One of the things I really try to emphasize with the students is that law is a lot more than learning rules. The rules are important to take the bar exam, mm-hmm. but you really have to have a broader understanding of society as a whole um and and i think that you know black Acre is one of those things that and your podcasts are things that help students gain those different perspectives and just think about the issues that as jim said um, they're going to be expected to take leadership roles on mm-hmm. as lawyers
1: that the uh, one of the earlier this is a little <laughs> off on a tangent but one of the earlier classes that i remember is the the case of that there would be sandwiches given and He brought hot dogs, so the is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh sure, we still do the hot dog sandwich. Yeah, let me ask you a follow up question: Is cereal soup?
2: That I don't know, but I do know, (laughs) I do know that Justice Ginsburg weighed in on the is our our hot dogs sandwiches not too long ago. So one of the students gave me. a link to a YouTube <laughs> where where she's caught discussing this. Uh, so that's and part Richard, of the program now. That, that, that was
1: important knowledge. That it, you have one question to ask Justice Ginsburg. That's what you choose. I, mean, I, you,
3: I have a response to your is cereal soup. Yeah, <laughs> Richard, Richard. I'm listening. Yes. It depends. <laughs>
1: sure. So the Same answer. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we want to Let's let's let me get back to Blackacre. Mm-hmm. So These were ours right here. I, yeah. yeah, I did yeah. see these, and I saw. I also saw, have seen in here where uh, the uh, Rome program that you had started right. with, is announced in there and all that. I did want to, all right, so at, at what point were the, did you catch any heat for things that had been published? Were there any controversies that came about, and how did you handle them?
2: Well, certainly there were controversies, and they wound up in Black Acre because everything wound up in Black acre in those days. When, we were, um, when the students were agitating for new facilities mm-hmm. to get rid of the building on Pearson, um, there was a student strike, which made the daily newspapers as well, but it was also covered in black anchor uh, with the, the students. Yeah. They demonstrated from that. Demonstrated out yeah. on the
1: street.
3: Did it yeah. work? <laughs> uh, sure. We got a new building. We got hey. the
1: play a
2: hall. All right.
3: The university took it very seriously. Uh, they did. They
1: did. I just, I've seen it kind of, I see it as a kind of an odd thing for mm-hmm. people who are, it, it, like, I understand the striking as a worker, but people who are paying to come here are also saying, I'm not going to come here, even though you already have all of my money. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an odd dynamic, but interesting.
3: Okay. We had one, we had one, uh, controversy that I recall that is, it was an interesting one. Um, and again, um, I don't want to suggest we had a soft relationship with the administration and with the faculty. Uh, You know, we had some Mm -hmm. serious conversations about serious things, and our impression was always that they were enormously forthcoming, from the dean to everybody. And um, at one point, um, we had a dean search, and um, they asked students to comment and to be part of the uh, evaluation committees, and part of the interview committees, and so forth, mm-hmm. and at one point um, we had a, an article ready to go about the various candidates, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, and uh, uh, it, we were asked to, to, to talk about that with, with faculty, with the, with the dean at the time, and with the associate dean, and uh, they asked us to consider um, the value of that and how that would affect people's feelings about the law school uh, the interviewees uh, what we had said about them and they did not tell us to their credit did not say don't publish this thing but we'd really like you to consider the kind of damage that could be done when negative information gets out that maybe doesn't need to get out at this point when we're right at the end of the search for a new dean, and uh, we took that into account, and, and it made some changes, but that was as close to a controversy
0: as I can recall. So uh, a big a big part of this, of the podcast, and why we wanted to start it is because uh, it's, it's a great venue for freedom of speech, and I feel like that's something that kind of can get a little bit dicey on a campus or in an academic environment these days, and, and a lot of it is just wanting to keep... The spirit of the First Amendment alive, and, and I, I guess return to first principles and and understand the importance of it. Do you see? Uh, how have you seen the the university environment change over the years? Have have you seen a decline in, in uh, willingness to accept controversial ideas, or to trade, or to do a little sparring in the classroom? Has it has it changed in your in your time at the law school? Boy, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good
3: question. Um, well. Um, you know, we, we certainly have have witnessed um, the emergence of various areas of conversation that are sensitive ones that that you know that, that affect people as triggers or otherwise. Uh, we certainly have developed a, a stronger sensitivity toward. Um, Commentary that involves um, important areas of of uh, uh, in inclusion and diversity, and so forth. Um, I I don't um, I, I don't have a, 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 a the sense that the university has done anything but had been very thoughtful about this. And I think we've tried to do that at the law school. I think that what you, what we're trying to do is balance. Uh, freedom of speech, with um, people's right to be in a safe place while they're in school, Uh, and that's a tricky thing to do sometimes. Uh, I think that for the most part, both here in the law school and otherwise, we're going around uh, about it the right way Um, because there is a a sensitivity to it from everybody involved, Uh, and I certainly
0: hope that's the case. Professor Haney, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: No, I don't. I think there's always been a good dialogue between the, uh, at least the law school administration and the law students. Um, It's taken a lot of different forms over the years. During the years when we had Blackacre, that was certainly the vehicle, I think, for carrying on those conversations with the Blackacre editors and reporters, uh, talking to people on the faculty and reporting um, back those conversations. Um, I know in recent years Dean Kaufman has done a series of town hall meetings to try to bring the students into a general conversation and to air any difficulties they are had. I mean in a sense we're all in this together. This has never really been viewed as an us versus them situation and that's one of the things that made it a very good place to teach as a teacher because you don't feel like there are factions here and there. You feel that everyone Is in communication with each other, and while we may not always agree on everything, there certainly is a dialogue and respect for each other's opinions.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's overall what I've found in doing this is that um, because I mean, while I have share a lot of opinions with with most students at the school, I mean, I have some that like I have more libertarian leanings, and uh, what I was anticipating was a lot of pushback, but I've actually received next to none of that from anyone who's come on the show and, and had discussion with me and often there's a lot of ways to fit these topics into respective ideologies in a way that actually meshes quite well so in that way <clears throat> I actually think that a, a, a platform such as this is important in forging I, connections you know I agree and with I, I think that that's it partly you know it is why it's a shame that Blackacre came out of existence for some odd years and kind of reincarnated in this form but those intermittent years it's too bad I will actually say that I think one of the one issue
1: is the there's always been kind of a a wall between students and professors especially <laughs> in undergrad and so there's a lot of people I know the I spent four or five years in the workforce before I came to law school and the, the people most in my section we're right out of undergrad well there's still that level of intimidation there's that level of they're the adults and we're the children and i i, I i've already gotten my grade so i'm not trying to you know kiss your behind <laughs> here but i, so I has, will say does this that, have
3: yeah. anything to do with the fact that we're getting older no, no, no. <laughs> i won't no, no no what <laughs> i what i was saying was
1: it, so you were the first professor that we had we did not have a professor uh in the fall that asked you know if any students want to grab lunch with me or something like that And I actually think that that helps bridge the gap and make students more comfortable Mm -hmm. with approaching professors, whereas we didn't really necessarily have that. I think by doing this, and it's kind of forced Jake and I to go into certain offices and have certain conversations with people, that it does make you more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I I do think there's a level of there that's a bit standoffish. I think that goes to what you were saying with the... You've never felt uncomfortable voicing your opinion once you actually get to there, get there to do it.
3: So yeah, yeah. I I think this is exactly what we felt in putting Blackacre together. It brought us closer to our faculty. Uh, it brought a lot of students closer to their faculty. Uh, we got to know them uh, through this in in many ways, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and with the administration as well.
2: But, you know, I think we've always encouraged students to talk to faculty. You know, when we designed this building, we had the faculty offices spread around the floors with study areas outside their office (coughs) so that students would see faculty and vice versa kind of on a daily basis. And Mm. hopefully that would encourage conversation, too. You know, interesting, I, I went to Loyola as an undergraduate, and I always felt the university was very open to students even in those days and were willing to talk. Um, I knew administrators I knew faculty and could just have conversations
0: so I, 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 I think we're all in kind of agreement in that <laughs> the, like the spirit underpinning <laughs> Blackacre and underpinning this show are, are very much congruent with one another but so one of our troubles right now is that we have to recruit you know first or second year students who will hopefully carry the torch of this yeah. um, beyond you know what after we graduate. Uh, I guess, do you have any tips or tricks, or uh, did you find the, the, the same struggle in, in the enterprise of Blackacre?
2: Well, you know, um, my notes indicate that Blackacre died out around the year 2000, but then about oh, f- six, seven years ago, got revived for one year briefly as an online publication, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was some kind of publication. It didn't work well. I, I don't think there was a staff with okay. it. There were students one or two students with a good idea wanted to carry this out and have this vehicle available um, but it just didn't work because I think there was the era when everything was being transitioned from print to uh, online but uh, the online services weren't what they are now and and so just the the media was different Uh, but I I think it's a great idea (laughs) we've seen with student organizations and with almost everything that one of the most important aspects is continuity. We have students with great ideas. They come in, they're here for three years, but then they leave, and unless they develop this Hmm. passion in some other students, um, the whole enterprise can die out. Uh, We were very lucky with Blackacre for a long run that we had some students every year, although Blackacre, I think Jim will admit, changed its character from year to year depending on which students were involved. We had at least one year where it the editors thought they were, in fact, a rival for the law journal and were doing kind of legally based articles. Yeah. We, we never really, that, that was never what Black Acre was supposed to be. Right, yeah. that, that
3: was not my group. <laughs>
2: no.
1: <laughs> no. You mentioned the. The July four, or not July fourth? I keep saying that. The April Fools' editions oh. that y'all oh, put yeah. out. Yeah. And I've got to say that that's the exact opposite of what Professor Haney just said. But yeah. Oh no, no,
3: no. no oh, I think no. it's it's no, very I, consistent with it here. I, yeah. No, I, I think, meant I that's not a legal journal. Right. Journal. Oh, I said yeah. 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 I, I came across it again today. I'll show it to you here. But yeah, you know, I I would say as a as a way of of uh, we're about to find out what was funny in '75.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. As a way <laughs> of.
3: Um, you know, ensuring continuity, I, it, the lesson that we learned from Blackacre was to get um, other students from other classes involved right away, give them, a, give them mm-hmm. a position, give them a task. We were so dependent on students who were a year or two behind us for a lot of the work. In fact, I'm, i had a note for myself here that one of the heroes of the reincarnation in, uh, in our years of Blackacre was not even a law student, it was a fellow by the name of Bernie Weiler, who was the editor of the, of the Phoenix up at Loyola, up at the Lakeshore campus. Mm-hmm. That's where we went to put this thing together every two weeks. Uh, we'd all ride up there on the train and Bernie Weiler, the editor of the Phoenix, for some reason uh, donated his time to us every two weeks and stayed up till three in the morning with us and we got the darn thing done. And uh, Bernie came to law school here a few years later. And that might two- be why he was helping you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Wait, we, we had no influence over his yeah. division, but He, he was, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, right. But uh, he was uh, just a very valuable uh, asset to us. Mm. Here is the, what I was talking about, Richard, was the uh, April 1st. That would be April Fool's Day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they still call it that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 1976. And it looks like every other issue of black acre you can see that the top headline the law journal board chosen it's mm-hmm. not controversial the patent moot court team wins they nice. go they go on to Washington DC that but then under the fold we have an announcement Mur- Mur- Murdoch Murdoch resigns oh, that would be bud. that would bud. Be, bud. <laughs> 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 yeah. this would be pro- just came out swinging Right. Yeah. this would be <laughs> professor Murdoch who had just started as the dean in the fall of 1975, and now in April of 1976. He resigns and plans to return to Notre Dame, and that got quite a reaction. But the one that got the biggest reaction was this little thing in the corner here, bar exam applications due April 1st. Oh my God. Oh. And <laughs> I can only imagine. Yes. The paper has come out. Students interested awesome. in, in taking the July 31st bar exam in Illinois must have their applications postmarked no later than April 1st, oh my according God. to the registrar. <laughs> Devious. It's unfor- quote, quote, it's unfortunate that many students are not aware of this deadline, but we're going to seek a special extension for those people, he commented commented, applications may be picked up at the dean's office. A fee of $50 is required for the exam. <laughs> what, what is it now? It's, it's $900. it's yes, <laughs> $900. Bucks. Um, well, of course, the application deadline wasn't until May. Okay. Um, and this was an April Fool's joke. And uh, not everybody got it. In fact... <laughs> <laughs> in
1: fact Those are and, the best April Fool's yes, jokes. and yeah. in
3: fact, one of our classmates was so incensed by this... Uh, brief article that he assaulted Dean Murdoch in the hall and uh, called him an unspeakable name to his face and told him that he had ruined his (laughs) life. Uh, He soon got over that but
2: uh, that person will remain anonymous. Dean Murdoch
3: and it sounds
1: like we need to get him on to talk about that. Yeah Yeah.
3: and then uh, on the second page there you can see my Grade school picture of nice. well, myself <laughs> as one of the editors, and
0: it's it's just fun. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, yeah. Asphalt. not very serious. <laughs> so I think um, turning back to what you said, Professor Haney, about how at one point this was, they they tried to revive Blackacre and put it online. Yeah, I, I feel like a. What's so beneficial about the format that Richard and I have chosen to do our show is that it. It allows for the prospect of recovered time or found time. Like you can listen to these interviews on the L train. You can do them like walking to school, you know, um, cleaning up your apartment. And, and I, I'm, that is part of what makes me hopeful that maybe somebody will want to take up the mantle is, is that it, it's not it, it's so much more accessible, you know, like for, for everyone who can read Black Acre, there's at least 10 other people who can listen to Dialogue to Novo, you right. know, so. I guess I still want to pick your brains a little bit about... Well, let me
2: ask if you think that that um, helps community building or is somehow uh, opposed to community building. I'm thinking of the Weekend JD program where, again, so much can be learned online. Students have time. They can listen to the lectures, the video lectures, at their their own pace, their own schedule. but the downside of that, of course, is that they're not at school. They're not involved with their classmates. It's an isolated project. Um, and that, that isolation, that remoteness, is, um, is worrisome. Because the law school, you know, in the past, students, I think, had a lot more time to spend at school. They were physically here more. Uh, I think that most full-time students did not have part-time jobs. And so they were here kind of around the clock uh, from eight in the morning till 11 at night kind of five days a week uh, they could be at least they, they didn't have to be um but that's not true anymore you know, the students just are not here and right. we've facilitated that
0: yeah i mean so uh, obviously the internet is a tool that can be wielded in multiple ways you know I, I i think that there obviously is is a manner in which you can utilize it that will put somebody in their apartment and <laughs> remove the need for them to ever really leave it but then again, what we're, I guess, trying to do with the same, you know, the same tool, uh, the same medium is to put the voices of our community right, right. between the eyes of everybody who listens, you know, sure. which I think is a very intimate experience. Um, I mean, that, we have some people that listen to this show who have now heard my voice for 30 hours who might not actually know me, you know, uh, which it's unfortunate <laughs> for them. But uh, <laughs> then, it, it, you know, so I, I guess I'm hopeful that we're, we're doing the right thing, but I could see why... Maybe more than I've been aware in the past, we are actually playing with fire a little bit, you know.
2: Well, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. But yeah. I, mean, I, I think the podcast yeah. idea is wonderful. And and this is the don't me- get me wrong.
3: Yeah, this is the medium of our age, right? Really. And you yeah. you look at uh, you know look downstairs, where they have um, the the rack for the Loyola Phoenix. And they they put dozens of them up there every couple of weeks, and they're never. I
1: think I'm exhausted. I, I think I'm the only one that thumbs through yeah. it actually. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do occasionally,
3: but who? You know, you, you it, it uh, begs the question: who who's reading this? Who's right. reading this? Well,
1: I, I think it's it's also this is the law school, and that's an undergrad paper, so I don't I don't think there's any there might there, there's not really a necessity for the law students. I think that's kind of where we come in. But as as far as the you mentioned the weekend program, is that did you mean the? since are you having trouble establishing the sense of community because they're never here
2: well that's certainly one aspect of it i mean i love the classes the students are great they're enthusiastic but i see them once every two Mm -hmm. weeks i see them seven times during the whole semester and um i i don't get to know them you know whereas when students were here in in what i'll call the old days uh, students were around all the time. I would, we had them two years ago. Again, yeah, again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But I, I would see you around every yeah. day. We could say hi. I'd see you getting off the elevator. We could yeah. chat. And I don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. with the weekend JD program. I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Now, I could still communicate with them online by email. I could do it's Zoom. Just, yeah. I don't do Zoom, but I could. Yeah. Um,
1: it's not the same.
2: It's not quite the same.
1: I yeah I, I love and hate mm-hmm. that I, the idea of a weekend program because one it allows people to get a law degree while they're full-time employing it does. employers employees. it's a great opportunity
2: yeah. for these people
1: on the other hand exactly what you're saying right. you do miss the in the, the 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 3 a.m nights yeah. of <laughs> studying for whatever <laughs> exam yeah, midterm right. you had that week with your yeah. Yeah. yeah i think that they do miss that part of it but
2: yeah i do i right yeah. they're trade-offs mm-hmm and that's part of technology.
0: So, Professor Haney, you obviously have documented the history of the university. You have a of book. Of the law school. Of the law school, yeah. You have the book in front of you, 100 I do. years. I I
2: always travel with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I have a, an autographed copy with me at all times. Oh, man. Can I get one of those? Yeah. yeah. Where, are,
1: where, where are our, I'm not saying we were asking for gifts or anything. But <laughs> <laughs> it is customary. They're though. pretty rare
0: um, now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so both of you uh, have been involved in the law school community uh, for a long time. You've left, come back, and have filled different roles. Uh, I guess well, I, I want to know, well, what are your hopes and your dreams for the school and in the community? Where, where do you, like when, when somebody writes the next centennial on the law school, I mean, what, what do you want it to say in the pages of it, well, what, and what can we do today to help build that future?
2: I suppose I want the message to be the same, that we're a community and that we've continued kind of that spirit. It, it's going to take a different form. It's probably going to take a very different form than any of us can even imagine. You know, that technology has changed so much in the last decade or so that you know you're talking the next, whether it's 40 years, or the 150th anniversary, or uh, whatever. So we can't imagine, but I'd, I'd like to think that the spirit of the school will still be the same with the close relationship between mm-hmm. faculty, students, administration, and alumni. And uh, you know, I think that's one of the things for you to while you're thinking of graduating, you're not really leaving the law school, you're going to be alums, you're going to hear from us constantly, and we hope you stay in touch. Y'all will constantly. hit us up for money, well, yeah, of course, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. part of it. Yeah.
3: yeah, hi Tom, that's a perfect answer. I, I totally agree, and I, I think the other yeah. piece is that, uh, is that the profession of law is going to change, it's right in the middle of a, an enormous yep. transformation mm-hmm. right now, things that. Uh, we never even imagined 10 years ago are actually happening, happening every day and so I think our response to those changes will in, in some ways affect how we deliver uh, a, a law degree, how we d- develop one's you know, profession um, and uh, I, I think it uh, is, is so, in, so important that we maintain relationships, good relationships here uh, and we call it a community. And uh, people take that seriously around here. Um, you know, we we think it's one of our great assets: is the, the fact that people uh, 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 take our culture seriously around here, mm. um, from the time they come in, and hopefully until the time they're they're
2: happy alums. And I do think often about the person who's going to write the bicentennial history, and I think your podcast is going to be part of that process. I think a lot of the mm-hmm. <clears throat> the f- basis for the next history whenever it's written <clears throat> is not going to be in written materials as it was for me <clears throat> but it's going to be in podcast and YouTube or whatever other mean, form we carry on um, just our knowledge of what's happened in the past. So I think your podcasts are going into the archives yeah. now this is important work.
1: Well we appreciate that <laughs> We hope so we, we're, yeah. we hope we're not just <laughs> contributing nothing but yeah, and that's no. the, the, I think the my biggest, uh, fear is not the right word, but I'm just going to use it, is the continuity. And I'm, I'm, yeah, we're already starting to try to recruit, so we're going to, I think we're about to start talking to a bunch of the 1L professors and go into their classes and speaking and things like that, but uh, trying to continue it further. Let's talk about that hundred-year plan that Jake, or the hundred-year story that Jake had started into. What, one? Why were you selected to write it? And two, how do I put this? What shocking things have you? What What were some of the biggest surprises while you were researching it?
2: Well, I I I volunteered for this. I have to say, when I was the associate dean Mm -hmm. for twenty-one years or something, I, I kind of took it on myself to gather a lot of the history of the school that's always interested me, just on a personal basis. So when the centennial law school came up, I decided we should have a history. There had been one for the 50th anniversary, for the 75th, but they were very small pamphlets, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we had never done a full history before, and so I said we needed a full history. So we did, decided to do, initially, a larger pamphlet, and it was only later around that it turned into a book with photos and all that. And, one of the things I discovered was that law professors and law deans, in particular, were very bad about preserving anything. Uh, they sent nothing to the archives. when I talked to the archivists of the university, mm-hmm. they had virtually nothing about the law school, which they lamented, and they said uh, they urged me to do something about that. I don't. I did something. I, I'm not sure that anyone else has ever taken that seriously no, since then. that's
3: true. The the university owes uh, Tom Haney a lot. uh,
1: Uh, uh, I agree. Where did you find the information? Back back in the archives?
2: Yes, I did a lot of research in daily newspapers, but also in the university archives because Mm -hmm. the presidents and vice presidents and provosts of the university had kept a lot of records that involved the law school. Mm -hmm. So there was material there about the law school. It hadn't come directly from us. So with a lot of sleuthing around, I spent a long time, getting to know the archives uh, up at Lakeshore campus, and uh, was able to get a lot of information. And it was a lot of fun then, particularly when we started pulling pictures together. Gotcha. That, that made it all very real. Mm-hmm. And I must say, the university, uh, the law school, okay. hired a firm to um, do the technical work of putting this together, and they were spectacular, they were really great people. And they had a sense you know, of how this was going to look, the layout, how the pictures go, how you integrate pictures and text and all that. And Elizabeth Brookover, our director of publicity, or whatever her title is, <coughs> shepherded the whole thing. She brought them and me together. It was great. So I hope someone else does this, as I say, 40 years from now for the 150th. There you go.
1: Well, let's, let's, I want to leave it with one final question, I guess advice where do we go from where should jake and i be trying to take this thing where do we go from here you're you're our predecessors let's hear it what were your successes what were your failures and how can we learn on them
3: well i'm certainly no expert although i had a great experience in in what we did here and Mm -hmm. there was a good deal of carry-on for many years after that and i i I just don't think you can go wrong by making it an an inclusive group get get people enthused about it bring them in Mm -hmm. and Um, I, I, of course, uh, would never discount the importance of having fun while you do it.
2: I think that's exactly true. Uh, I think all the people who worked on Blackacre really, really enjoyed the experience. I think it was probably one of the aspects of their law school Mm -hmm. experience that they remember the most. They don't remember probably what happened in their contracts class, but they do remember working on Blackacre.
0: I just wanted to thank both of you guys for your time and uh, Thanks, I, we appreciate I, your asking us you. yeah <laughs> of course yeah, thank you Jake Rich yeah. Uh, absolutely
1: yeah absolutely we yeah very very much appreciated it all right and for dialogue De novo i'm Jake Rome i'm Richard Leibovitz. we'll see you next week